Look at all those people. Say hi. <laughs> say hi. Can you say hi? Come on, say hi to them. Can you wave? This is my little girl, Mercy, my little three-year-old. And uh, do you want to say hi? you want to say anything? you want to say anything? You can talk. No? Last weekend, I talked about uh, God as your dad and speaking to him as your dad. And I, I bring her up because uh, my question is, is this week... Did your prayer life look anything at all like this? Think about the way you prayed this week. Did it look anything like this? As a child coming before your dad and speaking to him in security and love, intimacy, and just a freedom to ask anything you want? Was it personal? I was, uh, this, a week ago, I was, I was painting in my house with my father-in-law. Actually, he was doing most of the painting. I was watching him. And, uh, <laughs> and we, we got in a conversation. And uh, my, my wife and I, we've known each other for a little over 10 years and uh, been married a little over nine. And uh, my father-in-law says to me, he goes, you know, I saw a real change in your life several years ago. He goes, where I saw joy in you. And he goes, do you know? He goes, what did you do to change? He goes, because there was a period. He goes, and I don't know if you remember what it was or, or what happened, but I saw a change in you where suddenly there was just all this joy in your life that wasn't there before. And I said, you know what? It was when my oldest daughter, Rachel, was about this age, was about two or three years old. I go, I had this relationship with this little girl that, um, and it wasn't just, it wasn't the relationship. I mean, that was wonderful, and it brought me a lot of happiness in my life. But what it was, was, you see, I, I, felt, I felt so much guilt in my life. I always tried to be good enough. I always felt like I wasn't good enough. And um, in, in my relationship with God, I felt like I'd, I'd let him down a lot. I feel guilt because I've done a lot of things in my life that I'm very ashamed of, and they were just stuck in me. And, and I always just felt like I already blew it. I already messed up. So many things I messed up in my life. And, and I felt like I needed to make it up to God. Like I had to do something good, you know, and a bunch of good stuff to make it up to him. Even though in my head, I knew that wasn't true. I knew that wasn't true in my life, but in my heart, I think because I grew up with a dad who was very performance-based, was whenever I did anything wrong, all the love was gone, no, and I never had any affection, none, none of that. And the moment I did anything wrong, it was just he would beat me, you know, like, like crazy, and, and, and that's all I knew. And, but then God gives me this relationship, and he has, gives me this relationship with these two little girls now where it has nothing to do with anything that they do. Just as a dad, every time I look, I don't even have to look at them. If I just look at a picture of them and stare at a picture, it just kills me. And I'm just filled with so much love. And I remember it hitting me when Rachel was about two or three years old. I thought, this is how God feels about me? 
He just, he just loves me. He, he, he has these emotions that I feel toward these girls. He feels that way about me, that I don't care what they've done. I don't care if they've let me down in the past or anything like that. I just absolutely love them. And just the sight of them, just a picture of them drives me crazy. And to think that that's how God viewed me. And I tell you, it was a turning point in my life. Of this, is, this is my relationship with God. This is what he's been trying to show me in scripture all these years, but I couldn't really get it until I experienced it myself. And some of you, you know, when I, last week when I talked about God as a dad, that didn't bring up very good pictures to you because of maybe how you grew up or maybe your relationship with him. But I, I just wanted you to picture this. I wanted you to see it. And some of you who don't have kids or, or don't understand this yet, man, I just... These kids are everything. They're just amazing. They're just, I'm just filled with so much love for these girls. And to think that my Heavenly Father looks at me like this has brought me so much joy, joy that I never understood even though I read it, I was taught it, and I saw it throughout Scripture as the Holy Spirit using these little things to, uh, to show me how He felt about me. And, uh, and it's changed me. And, and I know that was a turning point in my life with my joy. Can I go back to mommy? Yeah. Can you run to mom? There she is. She's in the back. You see, we, we emphasize as a church that we want everyone to have an accurate picture of God. And that's why. Because when you have an accurate picture of what God is like and your relationship to him, that's what brings joy in life. That's what brought me joy was when I finally got it and I finally understood, wait, he says that he's my father and he loves me as his child. And it's like, man, to understand that. And... and when you have the right relationship, just the right understanding of your relationship with him, it'll change your prayer life from being a chore of something you have to do and you feel obligated to do, and oh, I better do it, or I feel guilty because I didn't do it. It changes from being a chore to a total joy where it's like, man, I can't wait to be alone with him. See, that's what this passage that we're looking at today is about in Luke chapter 11. It's this encouragement to pray, but it's an encouragement to pray because of who God is, that he's our friend and he's our dad. Not, not this discipline, oh, I feel so guilty, because this is where I struggled with so much in my life, where I'd feel like, man, I didn't wake up early enough this morning, and, you know, I missed my prayer time, I missed my, my quiet time with God, and all through the day I'd feel guilty. If I had a bad week, it was like, oh, man, I just didn't pray enough this week, and I'd feel bad about it. And I understand there are certain things in the Christian life where it's about discipline. Man, we're not always going to feel it, and there's things we just got to do because they are right. But I tell you, when I got that accurate picture of God in my relationship to him, it made it so that it wasn't, oh gosh, I know he's God and I'm obligated, I should show up on Sunday mornings, I should go pray every morning. And it's not about should, 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 and guilt, 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 but it's about a desire of, man, there's no one I'd rather speak to. God in heaven, I get to talk to him, and he calls me his friend, I can call him dad. 
It, it changes everything. It, it makes it so that I'd, I'd rather speak to him than anyone. I mean, is, is, does that describe your prayer life to God? Is it something you want to do? And something you just long for? Or is it still all religion and obedience and guilt to you? Because that's not what God intended. It's not what he wants. I, I was... Friday night, you know, it's another exhausting week. Friday night, we put the kids to bed, and I'm sitting on the couch with my wife, and it's like, oh, I can rest. But then the thought came into my mind. I go, man, I really want to be alone with God right now. You know, I was just longing for it. It was just like, man, I just want to talk to God for a while. And I look at my wife and just said, don't you have anywhere to go? <laughs> no, no, I just I said, least, you know, I just... You know, it's great, but I, I just want some time alone with God right now. You know, I just feel like I, I, I miss, you know, just having a good amount of time with God. I go, why don't you go to Target and buy anything you want? And it's like, oh, okay, you know. Because it's just, it's, again, it wasn't like, oh, I missed my quiet time this morning. I better do this. And out of guilt, uh, let me go get. It's just, man, I wanted it. I just absolutely wanted it. And... If, if that's not where you're at in your relationship with God, then this is such a great passage for you. It's such a great passage because the encouragement to pray here is not guilt or n anything else but just desire. And of why wouldn't you want to pray? Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 5. He said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight, and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he's his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he'll get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. So first he gives this analogy of a friend. And he goes, suppose a friend, you, you, you go to a friend's house at midnight asking for bread, you know, because some friends were on a journey and you got to feed them. You know, I, I want you to picture this. Okay, imagine this scenario. Pretend it's tonight. Okay, Sunday night, you go to bed, whatever time, let's say 10, 30, 11 tonight. Around midnight, you're just dead asleep. Okay, just dead asleep. The whole house is quiet. You're just, you're just dreaming, you know, it's, it's just awesome. You're in total rest, and suddenly you hear this banging on the door. Okay, picture this. You imagining it right now? Dead asleep, you hear this banging on the door. You think, what in the world? And then suddenly you hear a voice shout out. He goes, it's me, Francis. <laughs> and you're thinking, what? Like pastor? And then you hear me go, I need some bread. <laughs> what would be going through your mind right then? You think, what in the world? My pastor is drunk again? <laughs> what is... What is going on here, you know? 
what is this all about? And, and, and you know, you're tired, you're groggy. And, and the idea of the passage is, he goes, you're not going to go down because you think, wow, what a great friend. I'm going to go give him this out of the love of my heart. It says, even then, he says, not because you're a friend, but just because of the boldness. I mean, if I had told you, oh, come on, I got friends coming over tomorrow. I didn't have any money. You know, everything was closed. I just need some bread. Eventually, you'd come down for me. Eventually, just to get me off your back or whatever it may be, just because it's like, man, if he's going to drive all the way to my house, knock on my door at midnight and ask for bread, I'll give him a loaf and go back to sleep. And what the Bible says is, look, even, even as a friend, you would do that. He goes, even at the most inconvenient of times, wouldn't you go down and give whoever this bread just because they asked, even though they woke you out of your sleep, even though all these things are going on, it's the most inconvenient time to ask for bread. You do it just because the person asks. The Bible says you would do that just for a friend. He goes, what do you think God would do for you? Do you have such a warped view of God that you think that you can't even ask him for things? I mean, you'd ask your friend, and you'd give to others, and you want to give. How do you view God? Is friend one of those words that comes to your mind when you think of God? He says in verse 9, he says, so I ask you, so I say to you, just ask. It'll be given to you. In in other words, you're not going to get anything unless you ask for it. So what keeps you from asking Do you not believe that God listens? Do you not believe that God's going to pay attention to your requests? Do you trust your earthly friends more than him and think they're better to you than God would be? Just ask. That word ask is the common word for prayer. Just ask of God. He goes, seek and you'll find. The word seek there is the idea of seeking after a relationship, seeking his face. That's what it's used in in scripture. When someone seek the face of God. It's like in Jeremiah 29 when he says, you will seek me and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. He goes, you want a relationship with me? You can have it. In fact, there's a great passage. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 24, it says this, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Why did God create us? Why has he given you life and, you know, and breath today? It says that in the chance that maybe you would actually seek him and maybe you would actually reach out and want a relationship with him. Seek and you'll find. Do you want that? 
Don't you understand that that's available to everyone? He's saying anyone, if anyone asks, he'll receive. Any of you that desires to seek after God, you'll find him. See, maybe you haven't believed this all your life. Maybe you've thought to yourself, well, God doesn't want me. Why would he want me? Why would he want a relationship with me? Yet the scriptures say, look, he's a friend. He wants this relationship. You were created for this relationship. That, that maybe you would reach out and seek him and you would find him. Don't think that there's anything in your life that you've done that would exclude you from a friendship with God. Don't think that there's something in your life that you can't turn away from, that where God wouldn't just accept you right now as you are, no matter what you've done. He says, you seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's what you were made for. Do you want that? You see, that was the whole point of Jesus dying on the cross. It was God in heaven seeking you and wanting you so badly that he says, well, I've got to punish you. I've got to distance myself from you because of your sin. But he wanted this relationship so bad that he sends his son and says, well, if I have him punished, then that'll open the door. Then they can seek me. Then someone else has already paid for their crime and we can have relationship. See, God did that for you. And now all you have to do is seek him. Do you want that? And then he says, knock and the door will be opened. Are you knocking on the door? Are you saying, God, I want you in my life? That's why every weekend we, we, we have baptism. Every weekend we say, look, it doesn't matter if you've ever heard the message before. Right now, if you knock on the door and say, God, I want you in my life. I want to begin a relationship with, with you. We don't have to, you know, study your past and see if there's anything you've done that would preclude you from this. No, there's none of that. It's like, well, then you just come. God's waiting with open arms. Just get up here, get in the water, dip yourself, and, you know, come up and, and live a new life. Die to your old self and join in a relationship with him, just like that. He says, because everyone who knocks on the door, the door will be open for him. Do you believe that? God is a friend. And he goes on and, and he uses the analogy of a father again, verse 11. He says, which of you fathers, which of you dads, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He appeals to the dads. He goes, think for a second. He goes, you dads. Okay, would any of you dads, if your kid asked for fish, give him a snake? He goes, think about that. He goes, let's say your, your, your child asked for bread or asked for fish, and instead you pull out a rattlesnake. I imagine this is real. I didn't want to bring a real one. But... Uh, your child goes, hey, daddy, can I have something for dinner? Yeah, eat the snake. <laughs> you know, I got your fish, and you just throw the snake on him. Ah, die! He goes, <laughs> he goes, that's sick. He goes, who on earth would do that to their child? Of course you wouldn't do that. He goes, even the most evil of human fathers wouldn't do that. He goes, then why is it 
that some of you, when you look to God, you're like scared that he's going to give you something bad if you pray to him. See, I thought that. These thoughts have gone through my mind. When early on in my Christian life, I thought to myself, I don't want to get too into this Jesus thing, because if I get too into it, he may send me to Africa as a missionary, or, you know, make me eat bugs, or whatever it is. Like this horrible thing, and it's like this trust of, I don't want to get too spiritual. I don't want to get too much like Jesus, because I don't want to end up like him or her or whatever. And it's like this fear of this relationship, that if I get too close to him, he's going to do something to me that I don't want to happen. And God's saying, don't you trust me as your father? He goes, man, you're, a, you're this evil human father. And you wouldn't do that to your kid. Why in the world would you think that your father in heaven, the perfect heavenly father, that if you ask him for something, that he would give you something evil in, in its place? He says, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And he's talking about spiritual things here. He's not talking about material, physical things. Not that it's a sin to ask for the physical things, but it's just like at some point you mature past that and you see that the spiritual things are so much greater, are so much better. And he says, your father will give you the Holy Spirit. Remember, this is, this is in context. Remember what we studied last week. It was the Lord's Prayer. When he says, teach us how to pray. And he asks for, you know, give us this day our daily bread. And then he says, you know what, and, and lead me not into temptation. He goes, don't you think that your Father's going to give you that daily bread? Don't you think he's going to give you the Holy Spirit to help you to overcome that temptation? So why aren't you asking? He's a good Father. He's going to give you what you need. Maybe not everything you ask for, because let me ask you another question. Let me rephrase the question. How many of you fathers or mothers, if your child asks you for candy, will give him vegetables instead? Right? Not a snake, vegetables. Hey, I hear it in my house. Hey, can we have Skittles for dinner? I'll tell my wife no, and then... Uh, I give them something good. And there are times when your kids will come to you and say, hey, can I have candy? Can I have candy? It's like, no, here's some broccoli. Trust me, just choke it down. It's good for you. And I'm telling you, there will be times in your life you come before the Father and you say, Dad, I want this, I want this, I want this. And he goes, I got to give you this. Just choke it down. It'll be good for you. This will make you the person you need to be. And sometimes we fear that. We're like, ah, do I really trust that this is going to be best for me? He's saying, I'm your dad. Man, you're, you're an earthly dad, you know, that you're not going to give your kid anything bad. What do you think of me? See, a lot of us, we have this warped image of God. Like he's not someone we can trust and run into his arms. And like he's going to throw some snake at us and ruin our lives. And he's saying, just, just realize who I am. I'm your friend. I'm your dad. I'm going to take you to one last passage in John 15. John chapter 15, starting in verse 13. He says this, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. 
You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. Isn't that awesome? He starts off by saying, you're not going to find any greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus says, you want to find a better friend than me? Find someone else that's going to go to the cross for you. I died for you. What do I have to do to show you that you're my friend? He says, and you start obeying my word, and we develop this friendship. And he says, and I don't, I don't call you slaves. Isn't that amazing? God, the master, the creator says, I don't call you slaves anymore. Because a slave doesn't know his master's business. A slave doesn't have any, any relationship. A slave just does what he's told. He doesn't know his master's business. He goes, but I call you friends because I tell you my business. I tell you my heart. I tell you what the father tells me. It's a relationship. And God says, I'm not interested in just this, this Lord-servant relationship. Yes, he's my Lord. Yes, he's my master. Yes, he's my God. I do what he tells me to do. He goes, but I want more than that. Because you are more than that to me. You are my friend. I've told you. I've shared my heart. I've exposed my heart, God's heart, to you. So that you might seek me. That you might want relationship with me. That your relationship with me would not all be about guilt. And I have to do this. I ought to do this. I'm obligated. But it's like I want a relationship. I long to be with him. And, and today, maybe some of you have wandered away from God. You've gone so far and you're wondering, can I get back to him? I've done so many things that he's hated. Would he really take me back? And I say, read the story of the prodigal who squandered all his wealth and everything else and he's thinking to himself as he's sitting eating with pigs going, man, could I ever go back to my dad? Maybe if I beg him, maybe if I beg him and say, will you just take me back as a servant? Can I have any type of relationship with you? And he goes back home, what does his dad do? He's waiting there with open arms. He has a big party, a feast for him because this is his son, this is his child. And whatever you've done, you've got to trust the word of God, that God, that's a story about the fatherhood of God, that no matter how far you've wandered today, you can come back. No matter what you've done in your life today, you can start a relationship with him. If you don't have that, we encourage you to start that today. If God's not your friend, he's not your dad, and today you, you see that relationship and you want to jump into it, then... We invite you to do that. Right now, what we're going to do is I'm going to give you a couple minutes to pray just by yourself. And if some of you need help or maybe you need to come to God today and you want to start in this relationship that will bring you more joy than any relationship on this earth, I invite you to come forward, appear to the prayer room, have someone pray for you, get baptized today. Maybe you just need to pray over some issues in your life. But before you pray right now, Try to keep three things in your mind. As you think about who you're speaking to, remember, number one, think about a holy God who dwells in unapproachable light, who's all-knowing, 
all-powerful determines whether you live through your prayer. A holy God who is your dad, that just as mercy was sitting in my arms, that you have the freedom to run into his arms as his child. And as a friend who died for you and just created you so that you would seek him and desire a relationship with him. And I tell you, it is hard, and I am just figuring this out in my life. But when you can talk to God as holy God, father, and friend, it'll change your whole life. This will no longer be guilt anymore. It'll be the greatest relationship of your life. Would you bow your heads and just start talking to God, your dad, your friend?